Back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs. Gets away again. Goes to the 40. Gets away again. To the 35. Cuts back at the 30. To the 20. The 15. The 10. He dies. Touchdown 49ers. Here we are with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. We got Brian Rennick. We got Al Sacco. I am Zane Nackby. And I couldn't wait to do today's show, guys. I couldn't <laughs> wait because of what happened yesterday and last night. Something that nobody expected would happen. Something that we had totally written off and totally had just kind of taken for granted that it's just, this is just one of those things, right? And we would just get the news one day that Jimmy Garoppolo would either be traded or released. And boom. He restructures his deal, stays on with the team for another year, and chaos ensues. Like to the point where even the beat writers, like Mayoko and Barrels, were like, "What the hell is going on?" I don't think anybody saw this coming. And you guys know how I feel about Jimmy. I think that you know he did a lot of great things here, and and I think that you know I, I don't have any hard feelings towards him. And I think that he's a good quarterback. But this is not something that I even I expected as you know our resident Jimmy supporter here. So. Man, guys, like I, I just want to open it up to you guys and just get your initial thoughts. When you saw that flash across your screen when Adam Shepard broke that news, like what did you what did you think and feel at that time? Numb. Just numb. Because why because why wouldn't that happen? And this is where I am right now. I know people who listen to the podcast can't see it. I got my 175 of scotch right yes. now. Yes. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling. <laughs> but listen, man, it was numb. But I wasn't surprised. I mean, if you've been paying attention to this saga for the last two years, why wouldn't this happen? Why wouldn't he come back? And look, the way that I look at it is this. I look at it in a couple of different ways. I feel like Brian's pissed. I feel like Zane's happy. And I feel like I'm just in the middle. I don't want to speak for you, Brian, but I just know, I, I know you weren't super happy about it. But I'm just numb. I'm just numb to the whole thing. On paper, it's wonderful, right? You look at this on paper. I don't look, we've seen Nick Mullen, CJ Beathard. We, I don't want to see Nate Sudfeld in a game if something happens to Lance. Not with this team, not a team that's this good. So on paper, it's great. If something happens to Lance or if he doesn't play well, they're really not going to, we know they can still win. We know where the issue is going to come in. And we've already seen it because already everybody's got to take, right? You need it for content. Oh, well, this is bad for Lance. And what does it mean for Lance? You're going to hear it all season. Every bad pass, every interception, every time the offense doesn't play well, it's, it's going to come into it. And those people who say like, oh, well, there's a, the culture is good and it's not going to affect this team. Did you watch the first half of last season? So it might not, not, maybe nothing will happen. Maybe Trey plays well, maybe he doesn't. Jimmy steps and see what, whatever, maybe it works. But they've set themselves up for definitely a distraction. It's not going to go in the way in the media. It's going to get talked about constantly. And hopefully it won't affect the team. They're too good. And I hope they can get past it. But look, this whole Jimmy thing has been a soap opera for the last two years. And I guess we're just in like, the, I don't know, Netflix just picked up the third season of it or something because it just, it's, it's never ending. Unexpectedly. Um, yeah. And it's, Hey, it's entertaining, right? For people like us, it'll at least be entertaining. And where I am with this stuff, guys, like it's just the closer you get to the stuff. I always say, you just see what a business it is and it kind of loses its luster as a fan. And I know that's a depressing thing to say, but I have gotten close enough to it where I do see it in a different way than I did Jane when we started the show when it was all about passion and fan base. And now I just, I just see it differently. It's just, it's just a business. It just is what it is. The Niners are like a business to me. They're just, I'm super interested in them, but I don't know that I just look at it really rationally. It's just, it's a business. 
it's the best way I could put it. I know that's what some fans might not want to hear, but that's oh, that's how I feel. Yeah, I uh, when the news dropped, <clears throat> I definitely had my fan hat on, and I was upset. I was genuinely upset. Um, to me, this season has is is all about the development of Trey Lance, and it felt like this move undercut the development of Trey Lance. And the the big thing for me was I I, I wasn't worried that Trey couldn't handle Jimmy being in the building. I'm, I'm not worried about Trey. I have a lot of confidence in Trey. I have a lot of confidence in his mental makeup. Uh, it's, it's one of the reasons why I'm so high on him. You know, he has a, an, an impressive skill set, but more than that, I think he's got a great head on his shoulders. And so I'm not worried about Trey. But what I am worried about is that leadership is a two-way street. You know, you can only lead if the people you're leading buy into your leadership. And you've got a, a lot of players on that team, a lot of veterans, a lot of leaders who love Jimmy Garoppolo and have a great relationship with Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, there were rumors that, you know, at the beginning of last season, when Shanahan had some of those trade packages in, that some of those vets came to him and said, hey, look, you, you got to stop doing that. You're, you're really undercutting Jimmy's leadership on this team by by putting this kid in and and essentially vulturing touchdowns right uh and so there is that that tension that's there it's not tension between trey and jimmy it's not even tension between trey and the guys he's leading it's tension between the guys he's leading and their you could call it loyalty right am i going to be loyal to jimmy or am i going to be loyal to trey and you know I, the report also came out that uh, and I believe this came from Albert Breer that uh, that part of the discussion when it came to renegotiating this deal with Dim with Jimmy Garoppolo was that he had to make less than Trey Lance, and he is. And so, to me, it seems like even the front office was like, "Listen, like we understand that bringing this guy back is going to undercut Trey a little bit. We've got to make it really, really apparent." in as many ways as possible besides just us saying, Hey, this is Trey's team that Jimmy Garoppolo is not a threat to Trey Lance. And that's one of the ways that they did it by, by essentially making him, uh, you know, making him a, a lower paid quarterback. Now, with that being said, I was upset yesterday and, uh, my buddy, Tim and I, who hosts the denim dungeon podcast, you know, we had an episode last night and, and, and he let me kind of go on a, a bit of a rant and still felt like it was pretty measured. Uh, and and I even said today, like, I want to rant and rave about this, but the more that you look at it, like you said, Al, on paper, this makes a lot of sense. And uh, I, I published an article on the web zone today that said that the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo pulled a win-win out of a lose-lose situation. And it was a losing proposition for the 49ers because they wanted to get value for Jimmy Garoppolo and they wanted to turn the page to Trey Lance. And they weren't able to do that. And it was a losing proposition for Jimmy Garoppolo because their only other, the only other alternative was to release him. Right. And if he was released, sure. He'd have his, you know, he'd have his pick of where to go, but what are those picks, right? Where would he go? It's either Seattle or nowhere, right? There isn't anywhere that's, that, that is available to him. And so by doing this, right. And this was, this was why, like you said, Zane, this wasn't, this wasn't on the radar for anybody. It wasn't on the radar for beat reporters. It wasn't on the radar for national reporters. And the reason being is because no one thought to themselves, look, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be more than willing to take a $20 million pay cut 
to stay with the 49ers as the backup to Trey Lance. Like nobody thought that that would happen. But ultimately, that's the situation that we find ourselves in. And I have to wonder if uh, perhaps the front office came to him and said, look, you, you, you elected to have surgery when you elected to have surgery, which completely scuttled your trade market. You're either going to make nothing or you can make six and a half million dollars in guaranteed base salary and, and stay here as Trey's backup. And so did the 49ers get better as a football team with this decision? A hundred percent, right? They have arguably the best backup quarterback in the entire NFL. And not only that, but with Garoppolo and Purdy now, right? Which we know, and we'll get to the 53 man in a little bit, but we know that Purdy is staying on the roster. Between those three quarterbacks, their quarterback room is making, I think, a shade under $19 million total, right? Which to have Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Brock Purdy at under $19 million, I mean, that's a huge win. That's a huge win for the 49ers as a franchise. Let me say this, and then Zena, I want to hear what you say this too. So you just brought up something that's an interesting point, the, the money. I almost feel like in a way the Niners are looking at this, at this in an analytical sense instead of like, are we overlooking the human element in the locker room type thing? I don't oh, know that they sure. are, but you know, that's a way to look at it. Cause I think the Niners look at it that way. Like this is value, right? Saying like, that's kind of like how they are. Like this is mm-hmm. value. We have value with him. And maybe there's seeing more of that and saying, Hey, the culture will, will fix the rest of it. But again, when I look at last year, it worries me. Yeah. I think that basically Al, I mean, Al, your your whiskey, your beer, you're into that. What do you tell the people what you drink today? What are you drinking? Oh, I'm just I'm I just got a little Johnny Walker Red Label. I'm slumming it with today. Um, it's just listen. <laughs> what else can you do at this point, right? Stumble a bottle of something and enjoy the show because that's, that's the time. Yeah, I I, I, th- I think that uh, when it comes to this whole dynamic and what's gonna what's gonna happen. So Kyle said that him and Lynch had talked about this for about a month. Right. Like when, when he talked to this presser today, he, he said that they had kind of kicked around the idea for about a month. And uh, after there were no suitors for Jimmy and, and with the progression for the recovery and and uh, how he was going to basically be able to throw, uh, you know, in the, the middle of training camp and not be able to latch off another team. So I think that I'm going to give the team a little bit of credit here and say that. And this is just me. This is just hearsay. But I'm going to give them a little bit of credit and say that they didn't make this move without envisioning what boundaries Jimmy would have and what boundaries he would have as QB two. This is Trey Lance's team, right? Like I want to, you know, say that like unequivocally, this is Trey's team. He is the starter. He took all the first team reps in camp. Jimmy, Jimmy didn't even have a playbook. Okay. Trey's, this is Trey's ship to run this season. And I think that for Kyle, the things that he either has to decide or has decided on already are number one, how how long he's going to stick with Trey if things go south. Number two, what Jimmy's role is actually going to be. Is it going to be a mentor? Or are you basically like warming up in the bullpen, getting ready to to pitch, you know, when when you know if things go south and when when you're needed? And number three, how he's going to manage the locker room in that dynamic. And I and I want to give them credit and say that they've thought these things over already before bringing Jimmy back. Because if you don't, you're tanking a potential Super Bowl run. Because look, this is as talented of a roster as, as you will see in the NFL. There's spots here and there, like along the offensive line, things like that, that they can improve. But I think we can all agree that this is this is arguably Kyle's most talented that he's had here. And you don't want to tank that just because you bring back a guy that you thought that was going to be gone and is now back. So 
I think that they probably thought this out well and well in advance and, and thought out the possibilities already. They they probably have addressed the team. We know that they've addressed both quarterbacks, right? Like that, that that came out this week. So we know that they've talked to them both. But that being said, like uh, for Trey, if this rattles Trey and if this is something that Trey is concerned about and if it's something that affects his mental makeup and affects him, then he's probably not your guy, right? Like he's probably not the guy that you want. I firmly believe in Trey. Like, look, I will stand for whoever's quarterback, right? I'll stand for Jimmy. I'll stand for Trey. It doesn't matter. Hell, I bought both their jerseys. It doesn't matter to me, right? So I should just cut them in half and just make like a half jersey now, right? Like those weird like half half and half things. 15. But I mean like, exactly. I'll make, I'll make a 15 jersey <laughs> now, right? So, <laughs> you know, to me, it's it's this move was probably well thought out by the team. It wasn't something that was done haphazardly. But to your point, Al, like you can't leave this team in the hands of like a Purdy or a, or a Sudfeld when you're, when you're gunning for the playoffs, right? Like you can't do that. This roster is too good for that. So I, I don't know if we see Jake's comment. I don't know if Jimmy's going to be starting, but here's the thing. I'll say this. It's, it's before week one, but I will say this before week one. If you see Jimmy Garoppolo starting at any point this season and in any game, and if you see him start a game, that's probably something that's really, really bad for Trey. Either he's gotten injured or he's totally ineffective. And both of those things are really bad for Trey. So I don't want to see Jimmy start the season because I want Trey to succeed. And that means that the plans have derailed. But if he does, at least you have a capable backup that can come in and win games at a, at a high level. And we know that with him. You know what I think though, too, like if it was going to get to this point, what's Jimmy making six and a half million this year or whatever? He counts a shade under nine against the cap. Why don't you just cut him and sign Tyrod Taylor months ago? And just stop with the drama. You know, there's things like that I, I kind of think of. And some people ha- are like staunch in the fact that they think, Al, there's not drama. Like, stop, right? They're, they're professionals. There's not going to be drama. I don't see it that way. And Brian, you alluded to the, what the vets did last year where they went, and, you know, I thought people can believe it or not, but I, I think that it happened where they went to him and said that, hey, you know, you're undermining Jimmy type thing. So, you know, if they're, if they're, Trent Williams is what, 33? He doesn't have a lot of time left. George Kittle plays hard. He may not have many good years left. If they're three and four, or, or maybe they go to Kyle and say, hey, you know, hey, man, let's go for it this year. And then, and you know, who knows what can happen? So, like, people, like, I, I feel like are staunch in the belief, oh, it's not going to happen. But you got to look at the other way, too, man. No, don't cut Jimmy. So this comment, cut Jimmy inside and Tyrod Taylor. No, we're talking about months ago. That could have happened. Um but yeah, so you just, you don't know what's going to happen is, is the thing with that. And I think Trey is mentally there too. I, I think he can handle this. I think he can handle the storm, but at the same token, you know, we're playing devil's advocate here. The NFL is littered with the bones of quarterbacks whose teams screwed him up. Right. So if he gets pulled, can his confidence <clears> be <throat> sure, you know, and I think we saw with Trey in, in this last game, he didn't play well in this, in, in the last game against the Texans and it's going to be an up and down season. And I think we had to, expect that i think we did but now it's going to be every time there is a down game that you know hey oh what about jimmy what about jimmy so we'll we'll see but it's i don't think it's it's gonna it's gonna be drama there's definitely the drama the thing that's the thing that's most interesting to me is it feels like to me in in my experience and you know i've been a sports fanatic my entire life football coaches more than any other species of coach are far and away the most anti-distraction coaches uh in the world right like football coaches want zero distractions they want to insulate the team they don't want to they don't even want to talk to the media right because the media 
can, you know, light the fire, if you will. And so this move just invites distraction for the whole season, right? Mm-hmm. Up until, up until, or, or I guess I would say until or when Jimmy either starts or gets traded, right? If not, if neither one of those things happen and Trey has an up and down season, the call for Jimmy Garoppolo is going to continue to come from the fans, from the media, from whatever. Now, Kyle Shanahan has a hundred percent developed a reputation that he does not care at all what anybody outside the building thinks. And I have no problem with that. I agree with that. That's fine. But he also it gets a little saucy when he has to answer the same questions over and over, and he's going to get them all season. And so you're right. Like they could have, they could have done this. And, and to me, the question is, what is more important to you? Getting something for Jimmy Garoppolo or getting rid of all distraction, giving this team to Trey and just moving forward. And to me, them, them, them doing this is them saying, look, we are not willing to get nothing for Jimmy Garoppolo and, and, and we're willing to possibly derail some of the development of our 22 year old future franchise quarterback so that in 2023, we can get a third round comp pick for the, for this guy. And that part doesn't make sense to me. I don't think the value is there and, and. I personally think that this this move, though, does make him a far more attractive trade candidate right now and into the season than before. Right. Like they could not carry him on the roster at his at at his previous uh, on his previous deal. Right. Because then it becomes fully guaranteed at week one if he's on the roster. And now it's a twenty seven million dollar cap hit instead of what is now a shade under nine. And so. You know, it is a win-win in that Jimmy gets paid a little bit. The 49ers have the best backup quarterback in the NFL. They could possibly still trade him. And they are now now have the fifth most cap space in the league, which is nice, especially with some some holes on the roster that might be able to be addressed either midseason or with some of these cuts that other teams have that now they can go shopping a little bit. Because before they had less than three million and now they've got a 21 million to work with. So, you know, there's some safeties out there that, that might be intriguing and, and we got to see if maybe they bring in someone for the interior offensive line. They have to bring back Tart. I saw that happen the other day and I'm like, that's, or yesterday. And that just makes way too much sense. Like, I hope they I do. I hope they can make it. I don't know back. that Tart wants to come back. That's what I was going to say. I don't know. I don't know what the terms were. It seems like they, yeah. they weren't on great terms when they ended. So uh, I hope that he can come back because that would be a great, I mean, that just makes too much sense from a, from a scheme perspective, but, to that point, like th- there is that kind of narrative that's going on that, well, is, is this an indictment on Trey if Jimmy's on the team? And, and I'm not sure if it's so much that as it is, well, or maybe it is that, maybe Kyle's hedging a little bit, but, but what it is to me is that now they guarantee themselves at least a comp pick, a, a third round pick. And I'm not sure if they could have gotten that had they traded him in his current state with a bum shoulder and, and all that stuff. So you're at least going to get something if you sign somewhere in free agency next year. And I think that that is, that is still a win. The other thing here is that, again, like should something happen and, and it goes south to Trey, you can still keep the train rolling with, with Jimmy and you know you can do that. Now, 
it's kind of funny because when he first came in here and way back in 2017, almost six years ago, and he had that five game stretch that kind of wowed everybody and, and got him that big contract. And we thought this guy was the, ne- the, the, ne- the next big thing. He didn't really know the playbook. He was kind of just winging it. You know, he wasn't really even calling the plays correctly. And he was just kind of like playing like backyard ball. That should be kind of like this year. They don't have, he doesn't have a playbook this year either. Right. So just let him play. Go, you don't need the, you don't need the playbook. Just go out there and wing it and, and win a bunch of games. Right. So it's that I'm not so concerned about that. But for me, like, I think that again, they've put a heavy emphasis on saying that this is Trey's team. This is his ship. He is the QB one. He's gotten all the reps in both the preseason and in camp and in the regular season. My question to you guys is Kyle is notoriously impatient. We know this about him, right? He's notoriously like his dad was the same way too. They want their offense run a certain way in a particular fashion. And if not, they're, they're impatient about it. That's why his dad could never settle on a quarterback in Denver after John Elway. So I think that the question I have for you guys is, okay, so they've got a tough stretch of games in, in the middle of the season where they play a bunch of playoff teams from this past year. If they lose two, three, four games in a row and Trey has like a four interception game and a three interception game, what happens? What's, what's Kyle going to do? Is he going to see this through? I think he should see it through, right? You're, you're invested in Trey. You have to live with the ups and downs, right? But is Kyle, knowing the roster that he has, and Al, you and I have talked about this many times, like the, the 10 plus lost seasons that he's accumulated, over the course of his career here, knowing that, is he going to stick with Trey and ride it out? Or do you have like your reliable pickup truck down here that you know it's not spectacular, but you know you can get the job done with that? You know, I don't know. When, when you really think about what they did, okay, think about the way the Niners approached this quarterback competition. They had, or I'm sorry, the quarterback position. They had a ready to win team, right? Team that went to the Super Bowl. They wanted to move on from Garoppolo, especially after 2020 with the injuries and everything like that. They went after Stafford. They went after Watson. They checked into the year Carson Wentz's, but I think the two main guys, I know the two main guys that they looked at were Stafford and Watson. Stafford goes to the Rams. Watson has legal troubles and, and they backed off. They make the trade for, trade for Lance. Has there ever been a team that's this loaded that moved down to a quarterback from their quarterback to, a, to a, not only a rookie, but a 21-year-old rookie who's that inexperienced? It was really an unprecedented move when you think about it. So I don't know nothing's jumping to the top of my head. I don't know if there's ever been something like this in the history of the NFL where a team this loaded moved on from their starter to a quarterback. I mean, uh, you could argue the Chiefs from Smith to Mahomes because they were a playoff team with Smith and they still went to Mahomes. But but they're not as loaded as the 49ers. Yeah, the Niners are like knocking on the door of that championship. Like they just really need a quarterback to kind of be a little bit better than what Jimmy was. So it's it's interesting. It's interesting because it's unprecedented, and I don't I don't know what they're going to do. But Zane, I think to, to answer your question, if you are at that point in the season, there are a couple games like that, and the season's on the line. They might they might make that move. And and you brought up too, Brian. Like Garoppolo's contract makes him more tradable. You're right. I've seen that in a million places. But who's the backup if you trade him? You know, Brock Purdy. You know, you're going to try to it swing is, another it trade. Is now. Yeah, they've kind of they've kind of painted themselves into a corner. So. I think this is an unprecedented situation. I don't know. I don't know if anybody knows the answer right now. I and I don't. I don't think. I don't think they're they're trading him unless they get something that just blows them away. And and I would argue that that's either multiple second round picks or a first round pick. Right. Like their whole goal was to recoup some of what they lost in that Trey Lance trade up. And so if there's a team out there that suffers an injury or whatever. 
and you know they fancy themselves a, a, a playoff contender. I think even if it's in the NFC, I think they'd be more than willing to to send him somewhere uh, and have Brock Purdy as the backup uh, if if it means getting like I said multiple second round picks or a first round pick, whatever the case may be. The the other issue though is you know Zane, your question about you know if they're going along and and things are you know Trey struggling and and things are looking ugly. The other thing that you got to look at is they they've had Jimmy Garoppolo for a long time now and they haven't won a Super Bowl with him. They've been to a Super Bowl and they've been to an NFC Championship game. And the and the and largely the reason why they lost both of those games was the quarterback play of Jimmy Garoppolo in the playoffs. There has been very few players who have been worse in in the playoffs at the quarterback position than Jimmy Garoppolo. And there hasn't been a single quarterback that's been worse than Jimmy Garoppolo in the fourth quarter in the playoffs, which is obviously the worst time to be the worst quarterback. So to me, it's like, why, why even go that route? Because if you go that route and you start winning games, which is great, and you make it to the playoffs, are you going to make it through the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo? He hasn't shown you that, that you can. So you made this move to compete with the Josh Allens, to complete, compete with the Patrick Mahomeses, to compete with the Justin Herberts, right? You are Kyle Shanahan, and you got your ass handed to you by Josh Allen on national TV. And I think it's genuinely that moment where he's like, I got to get one of those guys. I got to get a guy like that. I can't, I can't just keep going with these guys that, that are good and they run my system well. But when put up against the likes of aliens like Josh Allen, or Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert, they they don't they don't hold a can they don't hold a candle. So I to me, you just got you can't hedge. You cannot hedge. You can't because if you hedge, you you lose Trey and you lose some of you know, and and I think you lose some of the support of the ownership, right? Because what is gonna get Kyle Shanahan fired quicker? Uh not winning the Super Bowl this year or torpedoing the development of Trey Lance to the point where you traded three first round picks and this guy isn't going to, isn't going to develop anymore. I, th- I think it's the second part. Yeah. And you brought up Jimmy's playoff stats in six games with the Niners. He's 80 of 132. It's 60%, 962 yards, four touchdowns, six picks, 74.1 rating. He's throwing for 131 yards, 77 yards, 219 yards. 172, 131, and 232. He has not been good. And someone commented about the Super Bowl, uh, the defense blew a 10-point lead. Here's the thing about Super Bowl. You watch that game. You know, there were completions that, oh, it looks good. He made a completion, but there were throws that he could have made in the second level that were there. And they only had 20 points. I mean, if you hold the Chiefs to even 24 points, I know they ended up scoring 31. But if you hold the Chiefs to even 24 points that late in the first quarter, you better win that game. You better score more than 20 points in today's NFL. Couldn't do it. So the offense was a problem. It's been a problem in the playoffs. They can't put up big numbers. And someone talked on a comment here about the vertical passing game. They have none. Unless you get Debo in space, it's death by a thousand paper cuts. And that's hard to do in the NFL. It's hard to have 15 play drives because there's not, there are not, big plays in this offense. There's not a vertical game and and Trey can struggle and go 13 to 27, but hit a couple big throws and still end up at the same point total that Garoppolo did going 18 to 23 for a buck 79. So, you know, that's kind of the way that I feel about that. 
Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo has to be efficient and he has to have a high completion percentage because he's not pushing the ball down the field. Whereas if Trey Lance has a lower completion percentage, but hits some of those chunk plays that Shanahan can scheme up uh, again, you, you are likely going to score more points than by death than with death by a thousand paper cuts. Go ahead, Zane. Yeah. Um, I just want to make a comment about the Super Bowl. I don't want to, I don't want to rehash that whole discussion because we literally spent like an entire off season talking about that, but I'll just say this. So I, I agree that uh, Jimmy and the offense was a problem, not the reason why they lost the game. When you, when you have a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter with six minutes left, the reason why that's basically never happened before is because it, it, it takes an entire team collapse for that to happen. Because it hasn't happened before because teams, one, one aspect will collapse, but the other ones will pick up for it, right? Special teams will cause a turnover. The defense will tighten up. Something will happen, right? The entire team collapsed. The offensive line collapsed. Jimmy was terrible. Kyle forgot how to call a game at the end of the game. The defense all of a sudden stopped covering people and, and yeah, holding calls and stuff like that. Yeah, like basically it takes a perfect storm for that type of, that, that type of collapse to happen. And that's why you don't see it happen every day. So I think that, you know, in my opinion, and I've maintained this all along, that it was an entire team collapse. The offense was a culprit and Jimmy was a culprit. They were not the main issue in that fourth quarter, though. This was an entire the entire team collapsed and that's how that's how it went but that being said like when we're looking at trey and last week we talked about this and and or the last episode we talked about this and i told you guys like this is a dress rehearsal right preseason game three that's a dress rehearsal for your offense and, and your team frankly but i mean they kept a lot of their starters out on defense so it was more so for the offense uh only only the two tackles were out uh, i believe uh, on the O line everybody else was, was starters so really they didn't look good like they didn't they looked Trey didn't look good. The offensive line got dominated. And I know that like people say, well, the offensive line is the experience as well. But I mean, like, you know, that is what it is. They have to keep him clean. Uh, even on Trey's completions, he was inaccurate. So, you know, there was one thought that was floated out that said that like, oh, they saw this preseason game and, and they were like, or the, how the preseason went. They're like, oh, crap. Like, you know, Trey's not what he, what we thought he was. The Mike Silver quote, I don't know if you guys saw it, but um and that caused him to keep Jimmy. I don't believe that at all. I believe that this is something that will be good for Trey's development. I'll read you a quote, actually. Adam Schefter just tweeted it a little while ago um, on, on Kyle talking about his quarterbacks. So Kyle said this. He said that when I told Trey that Jimmy's going to come back, Trey's like, awesome. That dude was awesome for me last year. I can't wait for it to be the same way this year. So they they know on the inside of the building, they know what's going to happen. Right. And, and they understand that Trey and Jimmy had a good working relationship towards the end of last year. I anticipate that's going to be the same way this year, but with the roles reversed with Trey being the starter. But that being said, am I concerned a little bit about the accuracy? I mean, yeah, because you can't really teach accuracy, but you know, I think that's just one of those things that's going to come with reps and like understanding the speed of your receivers, understanding the speed of the NFL game and playing. Alex Smith was very similar in the same way, right? When he got drafted, he like on the short to intermediate throws, he was not accurate at all. And granted, like his, his situation was different with seven coordinators in seven years. But when he got a coach that could work with him and he got a coach like Harbaugh that could actually like fix him, he became really efficient. And while he didn't push the ball down the field in that small space, he became really efficient. So I think that for that aspect of Trey's game, we know he can push the ball down the field. We know he's got a rocket arm. We know he we can hit the deep ball, right? But in Kyle's offense, it's those, like you say, those chunk plays that often are yak plays that he has to be able to hit. I believe there's one play where he had Kittle on an outcut, and he would have been able to run for probably 30 yards if Trey had hit him, and he slightly put it out in front of him too much. I think those things are just rhythm things, 
and Trey will get those things down. But I think that like, you know, and that it's enough of a pause for us to say like, okay, like he didn't make that, that giant jump from year one to year two that like some people were hoping for, right? Like he didn't make that giant leap. And I think that giant leaps only going to happen with him playing. And uh, you brought up right. Josh Allen. Josh Allen took two years to right. see my fingers, but I'm putting up the two, but two years <laughs> to, to get to what he is plus the next off season. So we may be in for a little bit of time with Trey. And the question is, is like, is the organization willing to wait? Is the fan base willing to wait? We know the fan base is with quarterbacks here, right? Historically in, in, you know, in, in the past couple of years, is everybody willing to wait on Trey being great? For me, I think the right thing to do is to wait and to, to let him take his lumps and build him the right way. But all, people may not agree with that. Because of the yeah. window. And, and I think that's the thing where I talk about an unprecedented situation. You have a window with this team that I think has probably about three years. I really do. Because again, Kittle in three years is going to be older. Warner is going to be older. Williams may not be around. You hope Debo and Ayuk, you know, are kind of still going strong, but maybe use check is towards the end. Three years and you start can start seeing some turnover here. Um, Bosa, you will hope, is still going strong. But so that's the thing. It's unprecedented because you're putting this loaded team with like five or six straight blue chip dudes in the hands of a what is he, 22-year-old who really doesn't have any experience. They have 400 attempts in the last two and a half years or whatever it's been. So that's unprecedented. It's not to say it can't work, but it is unprecedented. So it's they put themselves in this position. Look, Kyle hasn't handled the quarterback position well since he's been here. I know people, when you knock Shanahan, you say, oh, my God, oh, my God. But he hasn't. He, you know, there's been – look, they could have – hindsight's twenty twenty, but he doesn't scout Mahomes or Watson. He saves everything for Cousins. They commit to Jimmy maybe too early. Their evaluation is that the gap between Brady and Garoppolo wasn't enough to make a move, which is crazy when you – Think about it now. And then you try to move on from anyway the next year and you don't get Stafford and you don't get Watson and you did it publicly and you make a trade and then it's awkward. They haven't handled it well. Shanahan's a great coach. He's a great offensive mind. He's a good coach. He's got to prove he's a great coach. He's a good coach. He's a great offensive mind. He hasn't handled this well. And at the end of the day, again, I don't care how good of a coach you are. At the end of the day, the results have to be there. I think that's why he made the move from Jimmy because he was three ten lost years in four seasons. I don't care how good of a coach you are. You're not going to last keep doing that. So now he's made these decisions. Now he's got to sleep in the bed that he's made and he's got to hope this right. works. Like one of you guys said it. And if he screwed this up and they're not still pulling 10 wins out of their ass because they are so loaded everywhere else, it's not going to be good for him in a couple of years. Now everybody loves Kyle and he's, he's Teflon Kyle and that's fine. I like Kyle too, but He's got to get the QB position right. If you don't win the NFL, you're not around for long. So it's TBD right now. It really is. Well, and and one of the storylines when when they traded up and they drafted a quarterback is Kyle Shanahan has never developed a quarterback at the NFL level. Never has. There's no history there, right? You have RG3 for one season and then he got injured, right? And right. then outside of that, he's only ever had veteran quarterback. So there was always that possibility that he doesn't know how to develop him or he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm not or saying that that's the case right now, but, yeah. but yeah. And I think part of the reason why is exactly that he lacks patience and that's what you're going to need. I mean, if, if you're going to, if you're going to draft a 21 year old kid out of a division two uh, school who hasn't played very much, uh, this question was, uh, Oh, sorry. Uh, what about Kirk Cousins? He didn't develop Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, they drafted Kirk Cousins in the fourth round that year when they drafted RG3. 
but he was gone prior to Kirk Cousins making uh, being the starter there. You know who developed Kirk Cousins? Sean McVay. So, yeah, I, I think that that was one of my actually kind of reservations about Kyle drafting a rookie and going with with a rookie was that like there's just no track record there. I'm not saying that he can't, but right. he. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's an unknown. Like we don't know whether he can or can't, right? So I'm not saying that like you know Trey's not going to be developed. But do you guys remember when um, Steve McNair was drafted by by the Houston Oilers way back in the '90s, and how he came out of Alcorn State and he had set a bunch of records over there, and you know he was like a dual threat quarterback, and and they brought him along really slowly. They lost a bunch of games the first year. They brought him along slowly the second year, and all of a sudden, like you know year I think it was year three is when it started to make sense, and then like. You know, ninety nine, they they uh, were basically in in the Super Bowl and and three years into his career, right? So I think that like it's it's a very different game now, but the idea is the same. Where we have a quarterback who who comes from a smaller school that doesn't have a lot of experience. Brian, you and I were talking about this on Twitter, the Mahomes situation versus this. I I don't think it's the same because Mahomes had so much. He was a much more polished product coming into the league, right? Forget the amount of starts and things like that, but like you know what? While he he does ad lib quite a bit. Like he was much more polished in terms of being able to execute an offense, a full offense than, than Trey has been. And they gave him more of the load as a result. Right. And I feel like in, in a sense, Andy Reed is a little bit more patient with, with quarterbacks because he developed McNabb, right. He's been there before. And that, that kind of worked out for them. Whereas Kyle, like he's just like, they never really had the, they never really had the chance to develop a quarterback. What they did with RG three is that, they they took what he did really well and they they elevated that and they hid what he did poorly. They didn't help him improve on any of that stuff. And I really feel like that's why he he never really took off is because when you don't improve on the stuff that you're not good at, you you won't have that longevity in this league for any position, right? And that's the idea is that to improve as a player, like overall, you work on the areas where you're deficient and you try to improve those. Like anybody can can do what they're good at, right? But the really good players they're able to improve those those negatives and, and make them positive. So that's kind of the concern that I have with Kyle, like going into this last year when we knew that they're going to draft a quarterback. Um, and also, can I say that like the whole Mac Jones thing? Mac Jones has been terrible this this entire camp in preseason. He's been awful. So at least there's some solace in the fact that like, all right, the, the Mac Jones at three people, like, all right, that was the right move to to pass on him at three because you know without McDaniel's and without that that system over there, he's basically going to be nothing. So. Um, but yeah, that's and, I, the- and I also I, I can say I know for a fact that Kyle Shanahan was the Trey Lance supporter in the building, not the other way around. That Lance was the guy that 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 Shanahan wanted, and and eventually, because he's he is the decision maker, he got the guy he wanted. For anybody to for anybody to say otherwise is to be really uh, ignorant of the 49ers power structure, and 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 is just at that point, you know throwing stuff out and that's not that's not the case it's kyle's team it's kyle's offense and when we talk about developing a quarterback i mean think i guess think brian dable right i know he wasn't the head coach but he was with josh allen for three years right those three years and developed him to what he is um might have been four years i don't know but three four years and he developed allen into that allen had a lot to do with it too but when you talk about developing a quarterback that's it taking them through this, you know, from a rookie to get better, to get better, to, to being a star in the NFL. And yeah, Kyle hasn't, hasn't had to really do that, I guess, right. He had Matt Schaub and then he had some short stints places and, and the Redskins were sort of 
you know, they went who they have like Grossman and Cousins for a year. They were kind of all over the place with quarterbacks. And certainly with the Niners, again, it hasn't happened. Jimmy didn't get any better. I don't know if that's because he hasn't returned texts in the offseason and he's not practicing. I don't know, but he didn't get any better. He hit a wall and and that was it. So a lot to prove. And look, it's not, you know, blasphemous. We're not bashing Kyle. I think he's a good coach, but he he needs to accomplish more. If he's going to go to that next step, the Niners need need to not just have it. Hey, we made the Super Bowl. That's goodwill for the next three years. No, you need to be a perennial playoff team. I'm not saying I make the Super Bowl every year. It's hard to do. Tom Brady is a once in a lifetime thing. Joe Montana is a once in a generation thing. It's hard to do. You have to be a perennial playoff team, though. You got to be the Steelers. You got to be the Packers, right? You got to be those yeah. kind of teams that are five, four out of five years, they're going to be in the playoffs in 10, 11, 12 wins. That's what they need to do. So, man. You guys, we've done 40 <laughs> minutes. We've done 40 minutes yeah, we, on the Jimmy Garoppolo situation. Wow. That's entirely <laughs> 40 minutes longer than yeah, I wanted to spend talking about that. But, but, but it's, it's what's out there, right? And I think that um, with he's such a polarizing guy, right? And like every single podcast and every single media outlet, like I was, I was in my car listening to Sirius yesterday and like ESPN, Fox Sports, CBS, the NFL channel, like all, every single one of them was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and how he's back with 49ers. So it is, Jimmy is a hot topic. And I think that because nobody can really figure it out. Like nobody can figure out why people hate him and nobody can figure out why people, why people love him. Right. Like, it's just like, he's just an enigma and it's polarizing. He's very polarizing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'd argue to say like, uh, there was a comment made by a local uh, Bay area radio host that says like, when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. I totally, that's total BS because this team won with Montana and young on the same roster. So, I mean, yeah. you, you can make it work. I think that this kind of gives me, I don't know guys, like, 2001 Patriots vibes with like Bledsoe and, and Brady kind of like that. I'm not saying that these guys are those guys, but I mean, it just kind of feels like that where you have like a veteran and you have this young quarterback that, that is going to be the, the kind of up and coming guy that's going to take the reins and the veteran's going to kind of step back and take a mentorship role. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. I know that there's a lot, a lot more to get to besides this, but there's a lot of cuts that they made. There's a lot of guys yeah. that we wanted to make the team that didn't make the team. They carried, they carried what five, five running backs and four tight ends right now. So you know they're going to yeah. run the ball, right? We know this, yeah. that they're going to run the ball a lot. Yeah, and we should probably get to the roster, right? Let's, let's yeah, Bef- I would say Bef- I, I, one more thing before we, we do that and, and we will move on. I just want to point out the last time that Jimmy Garoppolo was a backup quarterback, his team won the Super Bowl. So, oh hell yeah, he's winning. The, he's winning the third ring as a backup. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, that's going to happen this year. <laughs> okay, so I need to pour more whiskey. I think here. Okay. Um, so yeah, Zane, I think I want to start there with we've talked about the quarterbacks at nauseum. Um, it's Jimmy Lance and Brock Purdy. These running backs. So Hasty doesn't make it, and I didn't think he was going to make it. Everybody was saying he was, and I I, I did not think so. And they keep Jordan Mason, who I feel like is going to play a role this year at some point. I do. Trey Sermon, who they, you know, John Lynch talked him up and they clearly haven't given up on. You have Davis Price, who you knew was going to make it. Mitchell, obviously, who's a good number one, but can he stay healthy? My man, Jeff Wilson, who is underrated as can be. So I'll look at that. You're pulling up the roster there, Brian. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, Brian Rennick is so good. He's pulled up the roster that I've been searching for on Twitter and (laughs) online and can't find. And it's right here on YouTube to, to look at for everybody. But yeah, so those are the five running backs that they kept. And yeah, I agree. The Niners are going to run the ball a lot, a lot this year. And I think all those guys are going to get carries. I think Debo will run here and there, but I don't think he's going to be going so much in between the tackles like he did because you got to protect that investment. But yeah, 
there's going to be a lot of handing off guys. And I think that's a, that's a really good group. And I think, you know, Mitchell will be the number one guy, but if you told me any of those guys led the team in rushing, I wouldn't be surprised. There hasn't been a season. I say there hasn't been a season in Kyle Shanahan's tenure in San Francisco where they've had a leading rusher two years in a row. Right. Yep. It's been Hyde, Brita, Mostert, Mitchell, and Jeff Wilson the year before Mitchell. So yeah, those Mm -hmm. were the five. None of them gained a thousand yards. There's not been a thousand yard rusher. Uh, since tw- uh, Gore was last one, right? 2014, yep. I believe. Yep. Yep. Frank Gore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, this is how they're going to win games, right? We we talked about a few weeks ago that the way they're going to win games is by controlling the clock, very similar to how they do with Jimmy, right? Until they can give Trey more of the offense, give him more of the workload and things like that. It'd be very similar with the exception that they may go downfield more. But the the idea and the concept will be the same. They're, they're going to try to limit, limit his throws, limit his opportunities. Like if Trey's throwing like 35, 40 times a game, they're not going to win. Like that either means you're behind or that just means that your running game is totally ineffective. And I don't think Trey is ready to shoulder that kind of load just yet because we don't know what he is. Maybe he is, right? We don't know. But I think that this is kind of set up for them to be able to do that. The, the concern I have, guys, is is along the O-line. And I know we're skipping wide receivers and tight ends, but like, you know, the O-line is something I definitely we'll want to talk about. Yeah, we'll, the, we'll, we'll hit the, it all, Dane. We'll hit all the positions. Exactly. So really, like, the center position is in flux. Like, I don't, I don't like the, I don't really like Brendel starting there. I think that they need to make a move there. We talked about JC Treader for a long time here and that, you know, that's just not going to happen. And yeah, exactly. Like, and Brunskill there is, is I, I believe, you know, he'd be better as a guard than a center. So really like there's, there's the, the two guard position banks is starting for the first time and McGlinch is coming back from an injury. So you've got four out of five offensive line spots that, that were either hurt slash inexperienced slash new that you have on your on, on your roster. So those are the guys that are protecting Trey Lance up front. Those are the guys that are going to get the running game going. And they weren't very good in the in the preseason, although Trent Williams and McGlinchey weren't playing, but they weren't very good in the preseason. So I'm very concerned about the offensive line. Yes. Yeah, so I do want to say to answer a couple of questions, the two guys that they're bringing back, um, they're going to bring back Jordan Willis and Tyler Croft to replace Jimmy Ward and Curtis Robinson for some of the questions that are coming. So those two guys are going to be back on the roster. That was according to Matt Barrows. So um, I watched Zane. Do you remember in 2018 when we watched the third preseason game? Everybody was all high in 2018 on this team. and Jimmy, it was mm-hmm. his first year. And we watched that third preseason game and I was like, dude, there's issues. And yeah. people were, uh, oh, you guys are haters. Blah, blah, blah. All the comments that we got, I'll never forget on the podcast when we used to, when we actually used to read our reviews. I remember <laughs> off that show alone, people like destroyed us. You're not real yeah. fans. And then you came into the season and they looked like shit the first three games. And then Jimmy blew his ACL, but that offense didn't look good. Mm-hmm. This game reminded me of that a little, a little bit. And it, I know Williams and McGlinchey did not play, but, and I know people are like, oh, you know, we watched the film, the interior line played better than we thought. I don't think the line played good at all. I don't think any of the line played good at all. And yes, the tackles were were the culprits, but that doesn't mean when you're playing against real dudes in the interior, when you're playing against the Aaron Donalds and guys like that, that interior of the O-line scares the hell out of me. And it's going to continue to scare the hell out of me until they prove me prove different to me as the season goes on. And that game was like, it gave me a 2018 feel where I was like, yep, I'm worried about that. Because they couldn't get the ball in the hands of their playmakers who were on the field. And I know they're, they're running a vanilla offense and all that stuff, but you still want to give Trey some confidence. And they couldn't really do much of anything because that O-line was so bad. I know Williams is going to be there. I know McGlinchey hopefully will be healthy and be there, but the interior scares the hell out of me. It just does. And it's going to until I see differently. 
Yeah, and 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 I know that there there's they've brought some some guys in for tryouts. You know, there's been reports. There was also the report that they have been actively searching for uh, interior line help. Here's the problem, though. Every team is searching for O line help right now. There's mm-hmm. a dearth of 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 good O line play in the NFL, and that's one of the issues. And so, you know, my the the line is going to be a concern until it proves to us that it doesn't need to be. And I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, Banks is inexperienced. Burford is a rookie, right? Do they have potential? A hundred percent, right? I'm excited about Spencer Burford. I really am. I think he has what it takes. And I think that, you know, eventually they're going to get there. I think the thing for both of them is their pass protection. And so ultimately, as you see with five running backs and a fullback and only five wide receivers, I mean, like you said, they are going to run the ball. They are going to run the ball. I, I think I think their goal is going to be to run it 30, 35 times a game, right? I, I think that's Kyle Shanahan's goal in order to insulate Lance, but also to scheme around what is a deficiency, which is pass blocking along the offensive line. And so, you know, is there is there a trade candidate trade candidate out there? Um, you know, is there is there someone that they can pick up off the, you know, off the scrap heap? that was released from another team. I have no idea, but to go into a, a season with essentially three rookies on the interior offensive line, because Brendel has very little uh, experience or very little play time. Uh, I, it, it just, it, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, especially when, you know, one of your stated goals is to develop your rookie quarterback. So uh, yeah, it definitely scares me. Uh, the other thing is the, the depth at tackle seems to be pretty actually awful. Um, Jalen Moore, Colton McKivitz didn't play very well in the preseason. Uh, they, they let school go, um, who looked even worse. So I get that. Uh, but you know, it, it, one of the, one of the, one of the narratives or one of the, I, I guess narrative is the right word that has, has come out of San Francisco since Kyle Shannon has been there is if you are going to be uh, a depth piece along the offensive line, you have to have inside outside versatility, which I understand. But at the same time, those guys that can play guard aren't necessarily always going to be the best tackles because they're not going to be that, you know, they're not going to be the size of Trent Williams or Mike McGlinchey or, or guys that you normally see at tackle. And so, you know, Colton McKivitz, uh, Jalen Moore, uh, even Daniel Brunskill, those guys are undersized for tackles and yet they are the backup tackles. And so that scares me a little bit too because we don't know. Uh, Al, you pointed out, uh, there was video of Mike McGlinchey at practice on, was that Monday? Um, yeah. And after like two reps, you could see him limping, like just flat out. Like it wasn't there, no way of hiding it. He was limping. So is McGlinchey going to be ready? I have no idea. And so then you go, well, well, who would, who would start at right tackle? Well, Colt McKivitz, we got his ass kicked against, you know, Houston. Then is it, is it Jalen Moore? He hasn't looked any better. So yeah, the offensive line is, is definitely, a concern and and if it's if it doesn't get better then then any hopes of of the playoffs or the super bowl are out the window yeah mckivitz more and brunskill and then you guys gotta help me with nick's last name zakel that's how you yeah, pronounce it the j is silent yeah i know i'm full with that stuff but that's the offensive line um and the only thing i'll say about that is that um kyle shanahan seems to figure it out right 2019 sure. their starting tackles are out Last year, you had McKivitz playing, you know, in that championship game or whatever. He had to fill in a lot. Um, 
he figures it out. So maybe he will again this year. We'll see, but I, I am a little bit afraid. All right, so tight ends are going to be Kittle, Warner, Dwelly, and then Croft will come back. We know what we get there. I mean, we you know we've seen it. We've seen those guys. As long as Kittle can stay on the field, hopefully, and he does miss a couple games every year, they're fine. What I do think they have is maybe the best wide receiver corps they've had in a while. I'm really excited yes. about that. Yes. Brandon Mayuk, Debo Samuel, Juwan Jennings, Danny Gray, the rookie, who made some big plays in the preseason, and Ray Mary McLeod. If you can hold on to the ball, I think he can make some big plays for this team. So that's sure. the five. And I think you guys, I think you've got to be pretty happy about, about that skill group. Yeah, I think that this is yeah. probably one of the better receiver groups in, in the league that you'll see in terms of how versatile they are and what they can do. Juwan Jennings, there was a report, like we heard reports of him not, not flashing as much in camp this year, but I think that's just a camp thing. I think once they get like live bullets, they'll be a lot better. But that being said, you know, getting Debo in uh, during camp was, was super important because right now it seems like Trey has a better sort of connection with Brandon Ayuk and, and they're, they're more on the same page than, than he is with Debo. And I think that that's going to come with time. But, you know, the, the guy I'm most excited about in this group actually is Danny Gray. And the reason why is because that when he got drafted, we talked about this and it was, it was an element that they were missing for, for a long time. That burner guy that can actually, you know, run a nine and, and beat somebody downfield, right? We saw that in the preseason game where Trey hit him for a long touchdown. Like we, you, you were missing that. And having that ability to take the top off a of defense opens a lot of the easier throws underneath and a lot of the chunk plays underneath. So I, I'm really excited about what Danny Gray can do with this offense without the ball in his hands, right? Because he's going to open up a lot of stuff underneath, which is where, you know, Debo and Ayuk and Jennings will, will do their work. So I, I'm super excited about that. Like, again, Al, you mentioned the tight ends, like they're, like that's a stalwart group. That group has basically been together for this, I believe the third season at Warner. It's the second season with him, but like Kittle and Dwelly third season, fourth season this with them. This is a, th- Oh, this will be the third season with Warner. This will be the yeah. third season with them together. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. there, you know what you're getting there. Dwelly is taking huge leaps as a blocker and he's become a reliable sort of player there. So really, again, like offensively, the offensive line, I would say is the biggest question mark on this entire team, but if they can get that sorted out, it's going to be a really, really tough group to stop. The other thing I like about Danny Gray is typically guys with that kind of speed, you know, you look at guys like Tariq Hill, Jalen Waddle, um, you know, they're, they're slight, right? They're smaller guys. They're slight. Danny Gray's not Danny Gray's a big guy. He's, he's, he's a big burner. And so, and not only that, but he'll, he'll mix it up, which I think Kyle Shanahan loves, right? He He's not afraid to block. So um, yeah, I, there hasn't been a better receiver group in the Kyle Shanahan era than there is right now. And arguably it's one of the probably, Talent-wise, one of the best receiver groups we've seen in San Francisco in, uh, I, I couldn't really tell you how long, right? So um, very excited about that. And, you know, obviously George Kittle, the tight end group is going to go as George Kittle goes. And um, one guy that they brought, uh, one guy that the Patriots released that the 49ers brought in for uh, um, a workout that I wouldn't mind seeing them uh, at least put on the practice squad is Dalton Keene. Um, I was high on Keene coming out of Virginia Tech in, in the 2020 draft. Um, very much in that mold of, of really kind of a, an undersized tight end or an H back. Um, but, uh, he also wears number 44. So in my mind, I'm like, mm, could he be a Kyle use uh, a replacement, right? Cause use getting up there in age. Uh, but n- again, not somebody that I think would go on the, uh, the 53 man, but at least a, a, a developmental prospect to have on the practice squad. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, this offense is going to go as Trey goes. Um, so, you know, buckle up. 
Yeah, and I guess the only real surprise cuts maybe Hasty and Jason Poe. Maybe it looked like he had a chance on the offensive side. So on that side, I don't think there was really anybody that I would. Really I, I think Poe's. I think Poe's biggest issue is, like I said, I, I think if you're going to be, uh, it, it, unless you're a starter, you've got to have pos- positional versatility, and Poe can only play inside. Yeah. So, but I, I'm still going to hold out my. I'm going to hold out on my dream scenario, which is Jason Poe goal line fullback. That's. I'm still <laughs> holding out. I'm still holding on to that at some point in in the future. All right, moving over to the defense and the backbone of this team, and the reason why I think they're going to ultimately be fine is the the defensive line. Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, Samson Ibukam, Charles Menehu, Kevin Gibbons, Hassan Ridgeway, Drake Jackson, Kerry Hyder, Jordan Willis is being brought back. So that's your 10 that are going to be there. Ture didn't even make the team, and I thought he was a terrific addition. Oh, surprising. Yeah, I was surprised too. But you look at these names, and it's like, okay. You know, I mean, it's just loaded. And when I think about the defensive line, you guys, obviously you think Nick Bosa, right? He's that stud guy. But when you really look at those games, the game against the Rams, the last game of the season, uh, the game against the Cowboys, against the Packers, the defensive line just kept coming. And the Stafford, Super Bowl winning quarterback, made all the difference in the world in the season. But in that, that last game, he was shook. Dak Prescott was shook. They had these guys shook because it was like, all right, we got to block Nick Bosa. But wait, here comes a Menehu and Ebo will come. And there's just all these different guys. So wave is, after wave, just wave. That's exactly it. So there is no give here. Whoever they put in, it's just constant, constant, constant. Now the only thing, because you know me, I'll, you know me, Zane. I'm always going to think of something that can go wrong. Ken is the run defense going to suffer at all without DJ Jones? Is Kinlaw still going to can Kinlaw step in and do that? You know, can Ridgeway? Can these guys stop the run? I think they can. I think they're going to be okay. But if there's anything, if you want to nitpick at this. Defensive line, maybe that's the one thing that could be an issue. But pass rush, man, it's they're scary. That's a scary group. I was say I think the Torre release is more a reflection on Drake Jackson and his readiness than it is anything else. I think they, you know, I think they saw what they had in Drake Jackson and realized, hey, you know what? This we need this kid on the field more. And so I think that's why uh Torre was was released. Um, I think Zurich has a man crush on Kerry Hyder. That's why I think Torre was released. He loves him. He loves- <laughs> He, he does love him some Kerry Hyder. He loves him, but I also Kerry. think I also think that Hyder and Willis are going to fulfill are going to fill that Arden Key role where they're going to be that big end and then kick inside at times. And so I think you know Torre was an edge only player, and so you've got uh, you know you've already got Nick Bosa and you've got Ebukam and you've got Jackson. All three of those guys are edge only, and so you really need you know more bodies that could slide inside and and Hyder can do that. So can Amenahu. And and so can Willis if if need be. So I think that's I think ultimately that is that is the reason why. Yeah, I, I think teams will be able to run on them a little bit. I think that they'll be able to to get a little bit with them, and the Niners will have to adjust their personnel groupings initially. But I think they'll you know it's a long season; they'll figure it out. But I am kind of concerned of with the lack of a run stuffer aside from Kinlaw, like after Kinlaw, like when he needs a breather. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Like maybe they pick somebody up. Maybe. One of these other guys can step up, like you know Ridgeway. They they brought him in basically to be that guy, right? So let's right. let's see let's see if that that actually happens. Um, you know the other group that that is really going to carry this team, right? Is I would venture to say we'll get to second the secondary in a second. I think that there I think that there is a lot of potential there, and we got to talk about Jason Brett too. There's a question about him earlier, but um, the group that I'm basically saying is the best in the league for this position group 
is a linebacking group. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that. With Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, and Al Sherrier there, this is now, again, third year that they're together full year. Um, I mean, they've been injured, but I mean, like this group, uh, this is the group that I worry about the least, right? Out of every group, any group on the squad, I, I worry about the, these guys the least. And I think that, again, if we do have a situation where guys are getting through the line and, and the teams are able to run the ball a little bit, maybe they start bringing these guys up to closer lines for a little bit and run support. Maybe they they change things up for them. And I like the addition of like Oren, like an Oren Burks, for example. Like I love that addition for depth as a depth piece. And he played really well this 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 preseason because they didn't did. play any of their linebackers. Yeah, so he, he played did. a lot and he was great. Yeah. He did. Yeah. And Planning and Powell's has has been there for several, you know, several like a couple of seasons now, and he's played well in spot duty, like a, a great special teamer. So again, linebackers, I, I'm not worried at all about them. No, not at all. Yeah, I agree. You almost- I did I Oh, go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, you don't worry. You don't worry. You know, so it's almost like, oh, yeah, the linebackers are going to be fine. So, yep. yeah. I was I was genuinely hoping that Marcelino McCrary ball would make it over Flanagan Foles just because, um, you know, I think he 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 does offer a little bit uh, in, in, in the way of coverage uh, that Foles doesn't. But uh, Flanagan Foles is a, is a special team today, so I, I, get, I get why he made it. Um, but, you know, you, you're picking at nits there. Um, and I imagine McCrary ball might make it to the practice squad. So, um, yeah, nothing to, <laughs> you know, it's just the, the most steady group, like you said, um, the least amount of turnover. Um, and you know, they, they, they have a type there, right? Warner, Greenlaw, uh, Burks, Flanagan Foles, all converted safeties, which I think is an interesting philosophy that they have smaller guys, but absolutely lights out in coverage versus a lot of other linebackers. Yeah, and then you move to the cornerback group, which I'm really excited about. Again, Traverius Ward and Emmanuel Mosley, they look like they're going to have the best one-two punch the Niners have had in a long time with those two. And again, that's that's really exciting. Because even in those Harbaugh years, you know, they had some good corners, Carlos Rogers, you know, Chris Culliver, guys like that. But like they, I don't know if they, they weren't as good as this. Those two, I don't, you know, I don't think it was more the front seven, and then they kind of patched those cornerbacks together with kind of system guys. But these are the two. I think best one, two corners they've had in a while. Sam Womack looked really promising and he'll play the nickel. And then you have Ambry Thomas and Lenore and Zane. If Verrett comes back. I mean, man, if I think they view Verrett as a, as a mid season, like essentially almost like a mid season trade, right? Yeah. They're going to allow him to, yeah. they're going to allow him to, to, to recover fully. Right. You don't want the same situation that they had in 2019, right? They signed Verrett. Uh, coming off a, an Achilles injury, uh, they rush him ba- essentially rush him back. He plays in week was it week three against the Steelers? Was that the yeah, week yeah. two or week and three or whatever? Immediately uh, gets burned. Gets yeah. Immediately, yeah, gets gets burned game, yeah. a couple times. Ends up back on IR for the rest of the season, and then you know that was it for him. And then in 2020, you know he's back to being Jason Verrett. And then in 2021, you know first game back, he tears his his, his ACL. If if Jason Verrett comes back. At even eighty percent of what he was in twenty twenty, I, I don't know that there's a better one, two, three uh, group of quarterbacks in the NFL in in Charvarius Ward, uh, Emmanuel Mosley, and Jason Verrett. That would be an incredible. And again, not that Verrett would would be on the field at the same time as those guys because Womack is going to man the slot. Uh, but I mean, theoretically, depending on how things go, you could bump Mosley inside, and now you've got Mosley in the slot, Ward and Verrett on the outside again. I don't know that there's a better uh, combination of three uh, cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, so to answer the question about uh, 
whether we think that this, uh, whether was it, oh, is this secondary group uh, more promising than 2019? I have no qualms with saying 100% because mm -hmm. while, while Richard Sherman was great, and I love Richard Sherman, uh, he fell off towards the end of the season. And if you, if you look at some of his performances in the playoffs, he was getting roasted, uh, just, you know, didn't have the, didn't have the physical traits to, to keep up with some of those guys. Traverius Ward is an ascending player, right? I don't even think he's played his best football yet. Same thing with Emmanuel Mosley. So, uh, you know, Samuel, Samuel Womack is a young guy. Uh, even Diamador Lenore looked a lot better this year than he did last year. Um, Thomas, Thomas showed stuff, showed some things in, at, at the end of the year last year, seems to have regressed a little bit. His biggest issue is as he's a great man-to-man -man cover guy, but he, can, he consistently gets beat at the catch point, just something that he's going to have to figure out how to fix. Otherwise, he's not going to have uh, you know, a spot in the NFL. But yeah, I have no problem saying that, that uh, I think that this, this secondary group is the most promising they've had uh, in the Kyle Shanahan era um, and, and definitely more promising than 2019. So the safety group, once Jimmy Ward goes down, man, that group looks a lot different, right? When sure, sure. They're not only keep, they're only keeping three. Am I seeing that right? No, they're um, that can't be right. Oh, you're right. They might are. just three because it looks like they're bringing back. Well, unless something else is coming down in the next couple of days, which could happen. I, so yeah, you're talking I, Hufunga, Odom, and Moore. Moore's coming off an injury. Hufunga's a young player. Odom can be solid, but not spectacular. I feel like he's more of a special teams guy. So that can be a little scary. That's going to be TBD. I think they'll be okay in the first two games because you're playing the Bears and the Seahawks. And honestly, those quarterbacks probably running for their lives anyway. But yeah. that could get exposed the deeper you get into the schedule if we don't get Jimmy, Jimmy back. I thought, I actually thought, you know, they, they cut the, the barnacle, Dante Johnson. Um, they released him yet again, right? And, and my, actually, my thought was, my thought was that once they were able to put Ward officially on IR, that Johnson would come back because he provides depth, depth at both cornerback and safety. But uh, Anthony Harris of the Eagles was released today. Um, Tart is available. And then also um, Tony Jefferson, who is more of a strong safety. I don't think they'd have interest in him, even though he's been on the squad before. But I, I think there's going to be some safeties out there that they might bring in. Um, and at which point I don't think Johnson would be back, at least not at this point in the season. God knows that he's going to be back at some point because there isn't, yeah. you can't be the San Francisco 49ers without Dante Johnson. Has he signed with the 49ers like 14 or 16 times or something like that? Like God, something it's, ridiculous it's like that. Outrageous. Like, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Man, yeah. find, find you somebody as loyal as the Niners are to, to Dante Johnson, right? But absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, absolutely. I, I have to think that that Tart is a distinct possibility here. I have to think that like they're at least going to try to, to make this happen and, mm -hmm. and maybe mend whatever fences they need to mend to, to get him back. I think for Tart, it makes complete sense because you you know the scheme, you know the team, and that's a that's a position that he, while it wasn't his his normal position within the defense here because Jimmy Ward played there, it's a position he has played. Right, he can play. You know, he could absolutely right? man so, that position for sure. Yeah. So I think that like it makes way too much sense. It's a known commodity, and again, like this is a, a hopefully a Super Bowl roster. You don't want to inject too many unknowns into this and into the already, you know, list of the, the list of unknowns that they already have. So I have to think that they're going to sign Tart. They're going to bring him in. You know, and Todd just just brought up a great point that the same positions that were weak going into the offseason are still weak. Yeah, he's right. It's right. 
So, and that was one of the things like, and again, I think this team is going to be a pretty good team this year, but I got a little annoyed when John Lynch said they were going to take their foot off the gas this year, because I think the theme in the NFL now is that teams are keeping their foot on the gas. And just a couple things here and there, you know, you're aggressive for a safety, whether it's in the draft or in free agency. Um, no, corner, you're right. He said not corner, you're right. They definitely improved corner. But safety in the interior line, I don't know if they did a whole hell of a lot. So, and again, we're just, you know, we're nitpicking here a little bit because I think this is a good team. But um, we'll see. The safety group I'm a little bit worried about. But I think overall this defense is going to be special because I think the front seven is the best in the NFL. So who who would you rather have on the roster right now? Ty Davis-Price? Or safety Nick Cross from Maryland. Nick Cross. Nick Cross. Right. Yep. right? Yep. Running backs yep. are are a luxury pick and they don't need to because Jordan Mason proved it again. Your top yeah. maybe maybe three backs, we'll see, are Mitchell, who's a six round pick, Wilson, mm-hmm. who they got an undrafted free agent. Undrafted. Yeah. Mason undrafted free agent. Hasty, who was on the bubble, undrafted free agent. And Sermon and Price, David Price you don't know about, and they jumped for them again. They overpaid for McKinnon, like they overpaid for Coleman. I got the Coleman signing because of but you know, McKinnon, they jump for Joe Williams. You don't need to do that. And I don't understand why they keep doing that when they could have gotten a Nick Cross or just, just you address other positions. You can get running back. Suit me up in Kyle's offense. <laughs> the game. You know what I mean? I can maybe get you a couple yards, but like, yeah, that, that has always bothered me. That will never stop bothering me. Cause I feel like other they're suffering in other places because they keep doing that and they don't. Do for sure. For sure. Um, I, I, I do think it's one of the best rosters in the NFL. Uh, it's definitely a top 10 roster in the NFL. Um, obviously the biggest unknown is at the quarterback position. So you can't, you can't really put them in, in the top five just because of that. But, uh, it's a solid roster. It's, it's, it's a team that is going to be carried by their defense and their running game as they kind of bring Trey along. But, uh, I, I still have pretty, I still have confidence in this team that, uh, that they will be a playoff team in the NFC. And I and I honestly think that they will be able to challenge the Rams uh, for supremacy in the NFC West, just because I don't think the Rams are uh, as good as some people think that they are. I think some of the losses that the Rams have are going to really uh, bring them back down to earth a little bit. Uh, they lost their franchise left tackle. They lost Von Miller. They lost their second corner. Um, they lost their center. Um, they didn't bring OBJ back, although you know uh, Allen Robinson is probably going to fill. A, a pretty nice role in there, but, um, and, and then, you know, Matt Stafford has whatever he has with his wonky elbow. So, um, I definitely think that while there are holes, this is a team that will compete for, for the playoffs and possibly further. Hope you're right, man. We get We got another week between the first game, right? I believe this weekend, the long weekend and then next weekend, is yeah. the first game next, yep. next yep. Thursday is the first game, right? All right, cool. So we got we got a little bit of time to put together a season preview that like usually do every year, the, the wins and losses, the stuff that that is is useless in the end because we're always wrong. But Al and I would would do it, and, and Brian this year you'll you'll join us. As I'm well, excited, so. Zane. Yeah. We already you know what we randomly did it one episode. We could do it again. We did do we it like, one ran out of content one episode, and I was just like Brian, you want to pick games, and we just it was like a month ago. We so did, we did, yeah. but did we you? can definitely do it again. Yeah, because there's is, nothing to talk about, dude. You know what I mean? So we just, I don't know, nothing else. This is what happens when I'm out, right? Like, we just goes, yeah. it just, it just all goes to the wind, right? We so. bring this Brian guy in, and it all goes to hell. You know, it's just, you know what's going <laughs> sorry guys. We can hit it myself out. We can hit it again. We could just do even better. We could do Zane's picks. I was, there I was we go. Say, yeah, you, you get to listen to my picks. There you go. I like that. I like that for sure. All right, That's you guys, good. do we have anything left to say about Jimmy Garoppolo? No, I'm kidding. Um, probably good, right? Like, 
Yeah. We, yeah. we hit it yeah. all. I think that we hit it all. Yeah. yeah. All right, everybody. Cannot wait. The season is around the corner. For Brian and Zane, I'm out. Peace. Later.